just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. We are in the wake of a holiday weekend, which means our recycling bins are teeming. And since I've nearly come to blows with my own family about whether or not to recycle a pizza box, here is a little myth-busting for us all. It's Thursday, July 6th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. McKenna Tupai, you are the sustainability coordinator for the Wasatch Front Waste and Recycling. And I would like to start by playing a game. Okay. I'm going to name some items that I have personally struggled to assess whether or not to recycle because I am of the like, recycle everything camp. And I'd love for you to tell me whether or not they are a go in the recycling bin or not. Ready? Okay. Sounds good. Here's an easy one. Empty LaCroix can. That's an aluminum, correct? That is Mm -hmm. good. Yes. And 100% recyclable. Sweet. What about, you know, when you finish a roll of toilet paper and there's like the little paper, I call it like the the rib. Yeah. (laughs) What about that thing? Yeah, that's good. And paper towel middle too. Nice. Okay. Plastic berries container. Yes. Those are good right now, but can shift with the market. What about the remote control to like any appliance? No. Even if I take the batteries out? Yeah, no. Pair of jeans that are too worn out to donate? No, not in your curbside. Okay. How about a CD? No, unfortunately. And a CD case, plastic CD case? No, yeah, no. Okay, this one's this the last one here is a real doozy and I feel like has been the source of many fights at the end of a party. Pizza box used. If it's not in entirely filled with grease and food. A little grease is fine, even if it's kind of looks like the whole bottom. But if it's more than a little, no. Okay. So we try to tell people to just take the top off and throw the top in the recycle and the bottom in the garbage because more often than not, the bottom isn't as clean. Okay. So what does happen to the stuff in my blue bin once it gets to you at the Wasatch Front Recycling District? Can you explain it to me like I'm an elementary school kid on a tour of the plant? Yeah, definitely. So we are just the haulers. So we pick it up from your house, your curb, and we take it to one of the local material recovery facilities. There are two in the valley. There's the waste management one and then the Rocky Mountain Recycling MRF. That's what we call it short is the MRF. And there they just sort it and bale it. And then they take out anything that is, wasn't supposed to be in there or contamination, we call it, which is basically garbage. And then they'll send that to the landfill, the contamination. And then the baled recyclables that are actually accepted in the blue bins get sold across the country and across North America mostly to recycling processing centers. And there is where they will be chopped up, melted, cleaned, and turned into new pellets 
to be sold to companies. Okay. So when you said that the future of plastic berries containers is uncertain depending on the market, that's what you're referring to then? Like any sort of given buyer could say, we don't want them anymore. And then all of a sudden you have to communicate to every household in the Salt Lake Valley that they're no longer recyclable? Yeah, so we try to keep our education consistent of things that will always be good in the market and will always be accepted in those blue bins. So that's why with Mm -hmm. berries containers and even like clear Starbucks or Taco Bell cups, those I'm a little bit more lenient on because I believe they take those more often than not. So I'll tell residents, yeah, that's okay. Just keep checking our website. So yeah, and the market shift, yeah, that just depends on if, for example, Kroger's buying a ton of recyclable material to make more of those berry containers or whatnot. Does it end up in the hands of domestic buyers or international buyers? Within North America, I like to say a lot of it is going domestic. Um, Before 2018, a lot of it was going overseas and international. And then a lot of them just kind of stopped taking it. So after 2018, there's been a lot more funding to increase recycling processing facilities here in the U.S. and Canada and even Mexico. So a lot of it is staying within North America right now. I've heard a lot of debate recently about whether or not there is even value in recycling plastic. Mm -hmm. Like, is that part, is that sort of like related to this recent effort to invest more in domestic recycling? What's your take? Like, is it worth it? Like economically, environmentally, or just everything? I guess both. Environmentally, I think it'll always be beneficial. Recycling not only diverts from landfills, but it saves a lot of energy too and increases jobs. So I think environmentally, it's always a good idea. Whether that weighs out economically can vary based on the markets. Sometimes the markets are booming and people can make money and it does work. And then sometimes it struggles a little bit. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 
80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. I mean, one of the reasons that I have become, in recent years, kind of a recycling cynic (laughs) is that I was told that there's a one bad apple ruins the whole bunch approach to recycling. So even if I'm doing everything perfectly, Mm -hmm. if my neighbor puts something non-recyclable in the bin and it gets, you know, loaded up with my recycling, that then all of a sudden it's all a wash that we all have to be doing it exactly right in order for it to have any value. Is this true? Um, No. So that is a common myth that we hear. Only the things that touch have been touched by something like food or green waste or something like that. Only those things become garbage or have to be taken to the landfill. So, for example, if somebody throws a can of tomatoes in there, a full can of tomatoes, and it gets all over paper or a piece of cardboard, only the paper or cardboard that the tomatoes got on will be to the landfill. Because once it's dumped at the MRF, they're sorting it from there. So they're not going to be like, oh, this whole truck is nasty because of one can of tomatoes. They're just going to take out whatever the tomatoes ended up on. What's the MRF? The Material Recovery Facility. I'm going to be really annoying about knowing that acronym now. <laughs> Put it, use it in casual yeah, no. conversation with friends. Yeah, but um, <laughs> that's definitely a myth. And usually it only affects paper products. So if that can okay. of tomato got on like a plastic bottle, the plastic bottle should be fine. Do we need to be cleaning our recycling? I finished a cottage cheese container the other day and I've always been like a rinse it out kind of guy. But now we have this water crisis. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's all compounding, McKenna. Yeah. And so I was like, do I rinse this? Like, does my recycling need to be washed? Um, so we definitely don't like to tell people to waste one resource for another. So we just tell them if you can just put like a little bit and shake it around and try to get as much out as you can or use a rag to wipe it out. That's better as long as it's empty and dry and not dripping. It doesn't have to be perfectly clean or anything like that. So what do we do with the kind of hard-to-recycle stuff that it feels kind of yikes to throw away? I'm thinking like remote controls, cords, Christmas lights, oh my God, Yeah. mattresses. Yeah, what do we do? How do we keep them from the bottom of the sea? So there are a lot of private companies that do recycling for hard-to-recycle materials. Best Buy will take a lot of electronics. They have some limitations. I think it can only be like three items per household a day or something. You'll have to call ahead. But And then there are some private companies, Springback Utah and Recyclets. They do mattress recycling and carpet pad recycling. So there are options for these hard-to-recycle materials. You just kind of have to, might be harder to look for them. We offer some information on resources and locations on our website. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that there's a real patchwork of 
companies and options for recycling here in Utah mm-hmm. between private companies, government divisions. What do you think would make the system work better here as a whole? Are there other models we could be looking at? Definitely. I think a big thing is that if private and public sectors work together to educate the community Mm. and to create more access to recycling to the community. I also think government support would be valuable, whether that's creating new policies or having funding available. And then improvements in technology. There are other MRFs in other states have the ability to sort more recycling for curbside recycling. Like Mm. California, they accept glass in their mixed recycling, whereas we can't because we don't have that technology quite yet. So I think all of those kind of combined could really help recycling in Utah for people being educated and then creating greater access for more hard-to-recycle materials. Are there policies that could be implemented by the government, whether that's like state or local, that could hurry the hurry this along? I think so. I've heard some states are working on policies to require certain companies to have a certain amount of recycled material in their product. So mm. for example, beverage companies having to have like 20% of recycled pellets in their new bottles or something like that. I think that could help drive the markets. Um, That could be a policy that would help that. I mean, I know there are states and cities that have like banned styrofoam, for example, which again, feels a little bit like pushing sand back in the ocean when we think about the broader climate crisis Mm -hmm. that we're up against. But, um, you know, those are interesting measures. Definitely. I think there could be more that all government systems could be helping out with in terms of all types of sustainability. Well, I mean, on that note, it feels so... It feels like such a small sort of sometimes futile step to be recycling mm-hmm. in the face of our climate crisis. Yeah. And I, like I told you, I've recently become a bit of a recycling cynic, though you've you've helped me a lot today <laughs> with some, some of this myth busting. But what is your pitch for why people should keep doing it? Yeah, I think recycling, it benefits on saving energy. For example, recycling one glass bottle saves enough energy to light a 100-watt bulb for four hours, power a computer for 30 minutes, or a television for 20 minutes. And that just comes with the energy saved from not having to mine those virgin materials. Hmm. Same thing with plastic and paper. It saves energy overall. So I think that's kind of a pitch. And then diverting from landfills. Here in Salt Lake County, our two major landfills are the Transjordan Landfill and the Salt Lake Valley Landfill. Transjordan landfill has eight to 10 years, maybe, depending on population growth before that runs out of room. And then waste will then have to be transferred or transported out of the valley, which would just make more trucks on the road and more emissions. And then the Salt Lake Valley, they have about 40 years, but that could go by fast. So then they would have to transport out of the valley. So when I was in high school, we had like a speaker come and talk to our class about random stuff. It was actually an actor because like the film festival was in town. It was Uh Matthew Modine from Full Metal Jacket. Anyway, the point of this story is that he said this thing to us that I think about a lot. And it is that there's no such thing as a way. Like a way is this made up idea. Like if you have a thing and you throw it away, it doesn't just go to a magical place called a way. Everything has to go somewhere. It doesn't disappear. And so I think about that a lot with recycling. It's like, 
throw it away. Well, away doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. And with curbside waste collection, it's really easy to just throw it in there and then it goes away and then I don't have to worry about it. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't just disappear. So, Well, McKenna, Tupai, thank you so much. Um, thanks for the good work that you all are doing at Wasatch Front Waste and Recycling and for myth-busting with us today. I learned a lot. Yeah, thank you. Now, personally, I am obsessed with Wasatch Resource Recovery in North Salt Lake. Have you heard of this place? They have an anaerobic digester, which is basically a giant machine that converts food waste into energy. Here's how it works. Food scraps are ground up, liquefied, and then heated up to produce biogas. That biogas is then purified into biomethane and fed to the nearby gas pipeline, where it can power about 15,000 homes, so basically a community the size of Bountiful. Then, the remains from the process of converting the food waste to natural gas, they're used to create fertilizer, which is provided to farms around the valley. And what's really cool about this program is that we're not just talking about compost. We're talking about all food waste. So meat, oil, bones, those all work in the anaerobic digester. Organic waste currently makes up about 30% of our landfills. So I don't know. Check out Wasatch Resource Recovery. See if you can arrange for food waste pickup or drop off with them. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.